Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, listeners, are you ready for part two of Radical Candor? Thank you for being so patient while I got this episode out. And if you want to listen to the entire Radical Candor, no breaks, no commercials, please join me over at patreon.com slash chronicles of Nania. And that link is in the bio. I also want to make the announcement that I will be moving to an every other week release schedule. So from here on out, you can look in your feeds every other Sunday for the latest episode of Chronicles of Nania. If you would like bonus episodes, Patreon, we also have bonus episodes over there. And we have ad-free episodes at patreon.com slash chronicles of Nania. Wishing you a happy new year and enjoy the episode. Let's talk about that um, that example that you gave earlier of a parent coming home late okay. to relieve you because I really loved that example um, because I think that that happens commonly mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I think that that can so easily slide into being a very big deal And it's hard. um, Once you have let it slide, I think it's, it's a harder place, certainly not impossible, certainly worth pursuing, but I think it's a harder place once we have let that boundary (laughs) slide. Mm -hmm. So I would love to talk about like the third time it happens, how we start talking about it. (laughs) Absolutely. So I'm so glad third, because I think that like begin the path. Right. So we can say once, maybe twice, but the third time it's a pattern or a habit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I think that what's really great about having that third time is now you have evidence to point to. (laughs) Right. And so I think that that's, first of all, going back to the needs and wants, thinking about how is this affecting me? Do you really mind the time? Or is it that you're not being compensated for the time? Or is it that it really is about the time? Like I need to be out the door because I have other commitments or I just frankly need to be out the door because I have boundaries. Right. (laughs) And so, and so understanding 
what your need is and the why behind it. And you don't necessarily have to give that all to the person that you're needing to talk to, but you need to be really clear about it mm-hmm. and, and making sure that it's not just the principle of the matter, right? Like principles matter. Trust me. I've had many a moments in my life where I am upset and want something to change because of the principle of the fact. Right. <laughs> um, and, and it's okay to have that, but we shouldn't be trying to affect change just for the principle. Yes. We need it to be grounded in a, in a, a tangible need or want. And so getting really clear with ourselves about what that is and what specific thing we're asking for. Mm-hmm. Is it that we are okay with staying late as long as it's communicated to us and it's not more than X amount of time? Is it okay if it is, you know, once in a blue moon, but more than once a month or once every couple of months is too often? Is it that you're okay always staying late? It's just that you're going to be billed for that time. Right. And so, uh, and I say build because I'm used to being a contractor. I realize that <laughs> nannies are our household employees, but uh, that it is right. part of their, what you're, what you're being paid for. Um, yes, and- but we are paid an hourly wage. So Yes. You know, including that in the hours worked. And, and thinking about like, what, what is it that you're needing to change? And then also thinking through the scenarios in which it could play out differently. When you have that conversation, you have your, your desire, your need, your want as it in the way that you want it to be perfect. Right. And then Also asking yourself, if I cannot have it exactly the way I want it, then what? Mm. Always know what your then what is. Because you don't want to get into a conversation where you need a change to happen and that person is not willing to make that change and you don't know what your next step is. Right, right. And so it could be that you're willing to compromise, but you already need to go into that conversation knowing what you want that compromise to be. Or it's that it's really having to be a hard line for you. And if this change doesn't happen, you have to be willing to walk away from this job. Right. Yeah. Something that, um, Katie Anderson, formerly Katie Leineke, uh, says all the time. She's one of my dear nanny friends, um, is that she has said, you know, if there is a, if this is a habit (laughs) and, um, and you've talked to them and they continue to cross that boundary, something else that you can do is say, where would you like me to take your child? I can no longer provide childcare. (laughs) Where should I drop them off on my way to my meeting my home, my whatever. Mm. Um, because that really like, you know, I, I would say potentially trying that before moving on to a new job, um, potentially, you know, your family, you know, the situation, but that has worked well, um, anecdotally for, from what I hear. I have never had to do it. (laughs) Absolutely. And yeah, I did not mean to make it sound like you have to just give in or have a big ultimatum. There are plenty of if thens, right? Right. Coming up with what you are going to be comfortable with uh, is super important. And then I would also say 
um, really taking time to prepare for the conversation, really thinking through how do you want to approach the conversation? When is going to be a good time? When is that person going to be most receptive? And I would say in the example that we're working on right now, when someone's coming in late, depending on what's causing it, that may not be the best time that something has caused that lateness in the first place. And if they're coming in, not in a great, great headspace, then this might not be the best time for that conversation. Right. Um, however, I would say sooner rather than later. And if it is just that they're like someone who loses track of time and they're coming in and they're all bubbly. Oh, hi, Martha. So sorry. Here I am. <laughs> da, 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 da. Maybe it is okay to have that conversation right away in that moment. Right. I also understand that like, there's also the delicateness of the fact that you're working in someone's home and that you're having, you are already in a, a power dynamic or you're in your space. Um, and also the fact that there are children around too, right? Right. This conversation, not just when does this conversation happen, but where, where are you going to feel most comfortable and confident to have this conversation? And, uh, keeping in mind the, the health and wellness of the, of the children too. Right. Um, and that's part of the reason that like, again, the, the think acronym that we talked about at the beginning, as well as radical candor, if we are demonstrating that behavior, most of the time, I think that like, we're going to be landing in a space where children can be around us, hearing us, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And so that another reason be such a tool for nannies and for carers. Um, but I think that what I like to do when I'm preparing for a conversation is really taking a moment to take stock about like, how do I usually communicate with this person? Like, first of all, do we have a lot of face-to-face conversations? I think in the case of nannies, that's probably true. Um, but like, are you also someone who texts or, uh, you are emailing or whatever? Um, and, and I always think that radical, not I think, I believe, I genuinely believe radical candor is meant to be face-to-face in person when possible. And then if that is not possible, it needs to have as many of those elements as possible. So if I can't be physically in the room with you, then, you know, over FaceTime or Zoom, uh, or if I can't, and so that way we can see each other and each other's facial expressions and body language. Um, Another example, like if you can't have that at be on the phone so you can at least hear tone of voice, right? Because only about 8% of what we're communicating is through our actual word choice. Right. So the rest of it is through our tone of voice, our inflection, our facial expressions, our body language. And so the more of that you strip away, the more likely it is to have miscommunication. So the reason I bring that up is I know that sometimes they want to avoid that awkward moment of having to have that conversation. So they'll be like, well, I'm going to text them instead. Right. But when you do that, you're losing all of the power of, and the effectiveness of in-person face-to-face communication. So I do encourage you, regardless of what physical space you're in, if possible, be in-person and face-to-face. Yes, I agree. And I will say that I also think that it's a great option um, if face-to-face, if it's really young, you know, toddlers that like, it's hard to give your full attention to the conversation 
when the kids are around or whatever, um, that asking the parents to meet you on Zoom um, when the kids are in bed is mm-hmm. a really good option that I don't think we take advantage of <laughs> all that often, but is, is, a, is a good option if you can't find a face-to-face time that you can really give your full attention. Because a lot of times uh, in those transitional times when all the caregivers are in one place, the children will sometimes put on a little show of, <laughs> of like, all the people who love me are right here. Like, <laughs> let me, let me really um, put on a show for you. Um, and whatever behavior presents itself in that show will take your attention. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And then I, I would say that like, as people are also preparing for these kinds of conversations, take a moment and ask yourself, how do I want the person I'm speaking to, to feel mm-hmm. after we're done? Yeah. What do we want them to feel? And then what are the actions I will take to elicit those feelings? Yeah. And so it's not just about what do we need to say? What do we need for them to understand? It is a, so how are we wanting them to be feeling at the end of that conversation? What is their emotional condition? And then also asking yourself at the end of the conversation, what do I want them to know or understand? So that is important. I just think about feelings even before I think about the, the knowing and understanding. Right. Yes. And then this is how I will communicate that to them. So I think that so often we think about things in vague terms. We go, well, I want them to know they can't be late anymore. Mm -hmm. Okay. But how are you going to say that? Mm -hmm. Like what words specifically, how do you want to phrase that? And I'm not saying descript yourself, but I'm saying really put some into how you want to frame something. And then also put yourself in that person's shoes and say, if someone said it that way to me, how might I feel or respond? Yeah. Would I feel defensive? Would I feel confused? Would I feel frustrated? Are there the immediate ideas or excuses or things that would come to mind? And if that's true, then you need to think about how you're going to handle that. Do you need to adjust how you're communicating that? Or do you just need to be ready for those types of responses? Because that's the other thing that I think that so often we prepare for that beginning of the the conversation. Well, I'm going to say it this way. Um, Or they don't even prepare that much. They just go, I need them to not be late. Right. (laughs) Um, And the outcome is I don't need that. I don't want them to be late. Um, And we don't think about that middle part of the conversation. How do you do a little bit of like future casting, future pacing, thinking about, well, if I say this, what are the ways that they might respond? And how do I want to respond to that? What questions might they have? What objections might they have to what I'm saying? What uh, points of view might they have that might be different than mine that we're going to have to come to a place of agreement before we can even get to the outcome that I want? And what have I said in the past? Because I think what you said when you brought up this example is pretty common. Mm -hmm of like, it's not a problem. Like if you have said that until now, mm-hmm. then take like, that needs to be part of your, what you are saying, what you are communicating in this moment is 
I know that I have said that yeah. it's not a problem. It has, it has started to become a problem or, or something acknowledging. Yeah. Because otherwise that's going to be very confusing. Absolutely. And that's why I think I love that. I'm so glad that you said that because I think that sometimes we, we don't always take ownership fully of the fact that we have gotten to this place in conversation because often it's taken two of us to get there in the first place. Right. Right. And so what have I done to contribute to this moment that this important conversation needs to happen? And what ownership do I need to take of that? Yeah. Being willing to to speak that into the room and, and speak it first, right? Don't wait for them to say, well, you said it was okay. Lead with I, I want to, I want to have this conversation with you because a, a shift has happened. And I, I realized that in the past, when you've come home late, I've said, it's not a big deal. I've noticed that it's just been happening more often, which means that it, it has shifted that for me a bit and I don't want it to become a problem. Right. And so I want to have a conversation so that we can keep that from happening. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know, you know, depending on when you're listening to this, I will also say in this particular conversation, the opening up of things after COVID is a great segue <laughs> for why this is now a problem and maybe wasn't before, you know, before I didn't have anywhere to go. I wasn't making other <laughs> appointments and things like that, but now I have started to reopen my life as we're opening everything back up. And, Mm -hmm. and so I, I need to, to be out the door at the agreed upon time. Yeah, absolutely. Whatever you've decided your thing is, you know? Yeah. Well, and I think that the, the other thing too, I, I talked about earlier about the, if I don't get the thing I'm asking for, then what? But I think that sometimes we also don't prepare for that. If I get what I want, then Yeah. So really, again, before you have that conversation, say, what are the next steps if they say yes? Mm. What do they need or want from me? What do I anticipate that they might need or want from me in order for this shift to happen? I'm asking for more money. I'm asking to know where to drop off this child when I am not staying any longer. If they say, okay, yeah, sure. My, uh, my, cousin lives around the corner. You can drop them there. Great. What's your cousin's name? What's their address? These are things that you're going to need to know. Um, what's next. Right. Uh, and that's kind of a silly example, yeah, but, but, but it's an important one. Cause yeah, if you like throw down that gauntlet and expect them to be like, blah, 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 and they're like, okay, great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you're really taken by surprise or if it's, um, great. You can walk out the door right at six and you're like, okay, wait, but now like that, that leaves no time for us to like talk about the day. Then do you need to have a journal that you're keeping during the day, like a communication log so that you can walk out the door right when they get home or, you know, whatever that looks like for you. Or do you shoot a text like right before it's time so that they have all the information of the day? Or do you need to ask for them to get home a little bit earlier than, you know, they say and say part of, you know, my job is transition times. And like, I'm noticing that the children really need more of a transition between us, um, between care. So can Mm -hmm. we pad it with 15 minutes or whatever? Yeah, absolutely. 
think that realizing that their main, that the solution may have aspects that you also have to problem solve, just like what you were talking about, Martha, I love it saying, we still have to have transition. We still have to communicate. So if you say hard out at six, these are the issues that that answer creates. And so being ready for that. Uh, I think also realizing that you may want to have a couple of like alternative ideas in your pocket for solutions or Sometimes what I like to do, depending on what the situation is, is I won't lead with what I think this solution would be. I will say, this is something that I've noticed. And I was wondering if we can talk about it. Is that something that you've noticed too? Mm-hmm. And, and just do a temperature check to see if it's even on their radar and taking that micro step in the conversation because they may not even be aware that there's an issue. And some, sometimes we come at these conversations like, well, how could they not? Like, it's so obvious to us, right? That like, I, for example, this, I realize this isn't a nanny example, but I was uh, recently working with a client who has worked in the same job for, you know, uh, almost two decades. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of her coworkers had left and her boss gave her all of that person's work and no ways. Right. And we had a conversation about that. And I coached her on how to have that conversation with her boss and ask for a raise. And when she went to her boss, the boss was unaware. Like he was like, I'm so glad that you talked to me about this. It didn't even occur to me to think about your compensation. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And like something that seems so obvious to the person who the thing is happening to, it may not even be on the radar of the person that you need to talk to. So keeping that in mind, and I think that that's where the compassion comes in, right? Of having some understanding that they may not have an awareness, or they may just have a different point of view that like, you need to share yours so they can have a shift, right? And so it's, it's not necessarily that someone is actively doing something to cause you harm or difficulty. It's just that without a conversation, they were unaware. I can't tell you how many times that's happened to me where like I have been unaware of something and someone has been kind enough to bring it to my attention that I am causing them difficulty. And in the moment, I'm a little mortified, but man, am I thankful because then I can change my behavior. But if I, but when it's something that I'm completely unaware of that I'm doing, I can't change that unless someone tells me. Yeah. Assuming malice Mm -hmm. is never a good spot to approach life from in my experience. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I, I do also understand that everyone has their own journey and, uh, trauma is real. And sometimes Mm -hmm. that can lead us to assume malice, but, um, in your, in your inner work <laughs> leading up to this conversation, um, watch for places that you're assuming malice. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that also realizing that one of those little micro steps that you can take while you're preparing to take that deep breath and have this conversation besides the just like, Hey, I've noticed this. And I wanted to to check in to see if that's something that you are aware of, or that you had noticed, depending on what the situation is. And if that framing is appropriate, um, then also saying, I'm really, I'm really interested in maybe finding a way to shift that or, or to find a solution to that. Uh, And I, I would love to work with you on that. Um, do you have any ideas around that? Yeah. 
and giving them space to be on the same team as you. Mm-hmm. I think that that's another issue that happens sometimes when we come into these important conversations is that we accidentally have mentally prepared ourselves to be on opposing teams. Yes, 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 yes. And if you come in with assuming good intentions and assuming that you both are working towards the same outcome or have a a similar or same desire outcome, then it's much easier to stay on the same page. If you go into that conversation about a pay raise, understanding that the outcome is that you are able to better take care of their children because you are not as worried about money or whatever the case might be. Right. Um, really the ultimate outcome is not the money. The ultimate outcome is that you are able to give them the best service possible so that their children are well cared for and protected. Mm-hmm. That's actually the outcome of that money conversation. It's yeah. not about the raise. It's about the outcome of you continuing to give them the service that they need and desire for their children. Right. Right. So So that you don't have to take on other odd babysitting jobs, you know, and like deplete your, your self-care time and things like that. Exactly. And yeah, so I think that realizing that if you come in and think about what the ultimate outcome goal is, even beyond the, oh, you're coming home late and I want that to change. Uh, If you think I want to be able to continue giving you the best service. I want to continue taking care of your family. I want to whatever, whatever it is that you think is a shared goal of you and the person that you're talking to. And if you can make the thing that you're asking for a piece of that outcome, as opposed to the ultimate outcome is more money or getting to go home right at six o'clock. I think that that can help shift that we're on the same team too. Yeah. And I think that we, do a lot of these things pretty naturally with our nanny kids. (laughs) Um, And it comes perhaps more naturally because with our nanny kids, we are in the position of power. Mm -hmm. And sometimes with the nanny parents, um, the power dynamics are different. Um, And so just keeping that in mind that you already have a lot of these skills, nanny. Yeah. Um, it's just about reworking it in your brain. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, I'm so glad that you said that because I think that's so true of most things that people think not good at talking about. It's that it's the same skill that you are using in other areas of your life that you're quite successful in. And you just have to remap those neural pathways to go, oh, it's the same for your brain to go, I get it. Um, but for whatever reason, our brain has sometimes siloed these types of conversations, whether it's power dynamics or just like the, the limiting beliefs or the internal stories that we're telling ourselves about these types of conversations that keep us from feeling like we are capable when, like you said, absolutely, we already possess the skills to have these kinds of conversations. Now, can we always hone them? Absolutely. But are you already able to have really important conversations, of course, because you're having lots of them every day. (laughs) Right. Yes. Yes. Um, To go back to the math analogy, you're doing math all day, every day. Um, And then, yeah, just changing it to a specific skill set so that you're doing calculus or geometry or whatever. Absolutely. Um, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, that I was going to ask you 
to keep going. <laughs> oh, great. I love it. Well, I was going to say another thing to think about too, is, is thinking about what does this person need or want from me? So we spent quite a bit of time talking about what is my need and want. And I, and then this conversation about ultimate goals too, right. That kind of already started shifting the conversation towards being on the same team and having the same outcome, but thinking about what am I doing to help meet their needs and wants and, and hopefully there's some alignment there, right? But realizing that it's okay for that other person to have needs and wants of you too, and giving space for that in the conversation and realizing that it, it can't be one-sided when we're having these kinds of important conversations. Yeah, which in our example of a parent coming home late um, or relieving you late, I, I think that that's really good because you've already investigated your boundaries around it. So like, if you know that you, you have to leave at six, um, then that's slightly different to meet their needs and wants. Then if you're like, I'm fine to stay till six 30, I just need to like be compensated and know then, then you can say, you know, that to them of like, if you need, like if, if your needs are changing, <laughs> Mm-hmm. Let's around, talk about it. Like, let's talk about it. Um, yeah, let's adjust the schedule. Um, but it, you have to know where you stand. You have to have done that work before. Exactly. Well, and I'm so glad that you you gave the example too about like because we talked about the idea that they're coming home late and you need to be relieved or working extra and maybe not getting compensated because they're paying you for your, your stated in time. But I think that what you, you gave a third opportunity that is quite possible that that family may know they're coming in late and may also already be compensating you for it. And you're able to stay, but you need to adjust your schedule Mm -hmm. so that it's just an understanding that I work until six 30 now, because that's a need that you have at this point. And I'm able and willing to accommodate that. I just need to manage my expectations that my workday now ends at six 30 and that's okay. But that needs to be clearly talked about rather than just naturally or organically shifting to that. And then you always are feeling up in the air about your end time. And I know for me, that's part of the reason I stopped being a server. I just hated having a start time and never knowing when I was going to be done. Yeah. Yeah. It really adds to my anxiety. Um, and I have said that to families before of like, I feel very anxious when I don't know when I'm going to be done. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I can't plan the day as well. I can't plan like, you know, my stamina <laughs> as well. All those sorts of things. I don't know when to give them a snack. The, yeah. You know, like we just, the more information I have, the better I am able to set the kids up for success and myself up for success. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, and I think that realizing too, that sometimes we're bringing in our own um, assumptions mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and uh, perceptions of what's happening into a conversation. And part of that prep for me is that I try to take stock of what my perceptions are of the situation that I'm bringing in and be, and it goes kind of back to that. It's related at least to that conversation about assuming good intentions or assuming malice, but also just like assuming anything, like what, what am I assuming about this situation and what questions do I need to ask to even vet whether or not I'm right? Mm -hmm. 
And so I often will bring that into the conversation too, before I ever have my ask. So I have the, have you noticed piece, right? Like something, uh, and then offering to see if they have ideas or solutions around it. Um, but then also even before I get to that piece, I'm often vetting my understanding of the situation. So saying I've noticed that uh, you're coming home uh, later and I'm wondering, has there been a shift in your your schedule at work or, and is that like a permanent thing? Um, Because I'm not quite sure what's going on. And so rather than just assuming whatever it is, the assumption is um, that it's a permanent thing. Maybe they, maybe they're like, oh man, no, I just have this really big project at work that is going to be over in two weeks and then everything's going to go back to normal. Right. Wow. That totally shifts the conversation I need to have then. Right. Right. It lowers the stakes. You don't, then you get to go, okay, can I tolerate this for two weeks? And if not, then I need to figure out what the, the, what do I need to shift my ask to, Mm -hmm. or can I support this? Because I know it's temporary, but that's why before you ever get to the, have you noticed this is an issue too, checking your own assumptions about like whatever the situation is, um, can be really helpful so that you know how and where to take the conversation. Yes. I think that that is so important. And I love, I wonder, (laughs) (laughs) right? I wonder questions or statements are so important to me in my nanny day. Yeah, definitely. Well, and I think that like, once you're able to really check in, make sure that it's a good time to have a conversation and be able to start with those uh, types of questions, vetting your assumptions that you're making, offering what your experience has been, asking if they've noticed uh, a shift, and then asking them about like, what do you think about that? Do you think we could find a solution to that? You haven't even had to make an ask yet. Right. Yeah. We're just having a really full back and situation that's important. And so at that point, it might be like, I can just earlier so that I can get home on time. Maybe they'll offer a solution that you don't even have to be the one that offers a solution. They might also go, oh, I just don't know. And that's when you, it's important that you've, you've figured out what it is that you need, right? Right. Oh, I need this outcome. So can, is that possible? Or I would want this outcome and present it like, this is, this is what I'm wanting or needing. What do you think about that? And so like you're partway into the conversation before you ever have to say that. And I think that kind of takes the pressure off of it too. When you have those micro steps that, that you can kind of go through before you ever get to the, well, this is what I'm thinking I'm needing. Because I think so often when people are feeling inexperienced about those kind of conversations, they feel like it's like um, diving headfirst into a pool. Right. And they go, okay, I'm on the diving board. I'm on the diving board. I'm on the diving board. Okay. I have to say the thing. I have to say the thing. And like the first thing out of their money is I need you to be on a home on time. Right. <laughs> like, it has to be the first thing as I'm hitting the water. Right. Um, and I really think it's more like to stick and I guess that I'm just making up as we go. Um, it's more <laughs> like being on the shallow end of the pool and like slowly wading into it. Right. Yes. And, uh, and, and you're both 
conversation and that you're going to be able to adjust to what that person is needing and wanting better. If you're really present, that's another thing too, is like, obviously I'm spending a lot of time saying prepare, prepare, prepare. Right. However, just like we know from, you know, working with kids, we can prepare the heck out of something. Mm -hmm. And then we have to let that go and be present and meet people where they're at in that moment. Right. And I think that sometimes people make an excuse to not prepare because they're like, well, I just want to be present in the moment. I don't want to overthink it. But here's the problem. If you don't prepare, you're doing that thinking in the moment and you are not present. Right. And so if you have already thought through the questions, the what ifs, the the outcomes, if this happens and this happens, then your brain gets to like, just have that in a little basket (laughs) Mm -hmm. and then you can be fully present and reach for those things as you need them without having to think on your feet in the moment. Yeah. And then if you need to think on your feet in the moment to come to a different answer that you didn't prepare for, now you're fully present to do that. Yes. Yes. And I also think that by doing it this way, this wading in (laughs) way of like, if you get to the end of that conversation and it's not, nothing has been absolutely decided, but you're all going to like sleep on it and then have another time to talk. Like that's okay too. Mm-hmm. Um, but just know that you also will need to follow up and all of that sort of thing. But like, if it doesn't come to a conclusion, if you're truly present, everyone's listening to everyone and it, it also doesn't come to a conclusion. That's okay. Mm-hmm. You yeah. just have to then follow up. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, I often will sit down for important conversations and, and, and think about how I'm going to prepare for it and realize that it might turn into three conversations, like right. the preparation. I go, Oh, this might not be a one in relation. And okay, well, let me think about the, the, the dominoes that need to fall to get us to those different conversations and be ready for that to say, it's all right if we need to sleep on it and, and just plan. Now I will say that if you are going to take a break from a conversation for whatever reason, people need to sleep on it. They need to think about it. There's just not time to finish the conversation. I encourage people to be really specific. Again, it goes back to the specificity about while you're wrapping up that conversation, when you're going to revisit it. Right. Not just say, oh, we'll get back to it. We'll talk about it later, but saying, great. So does it feel comfortable? And I don't, I think it's important to make it, you know, a team effort to come to that decision too. But like, saying, does it make sense for us to talk about this tomorrow? Or does that feel too soon? Uh, Or, you know, do we want to take the weekend and revisit it on Monday? But that way you can be really clear. That way it's not weighing on you about like, oh my God, when is it going to happen? Oh, I have to, I have to initiate this again. No, if you've together pre-planned on when that next conversation is going to happen, you've now taken the pressure off of yourself to have to be the one to like, plan and organize and initiate that you may still have to like literally initiate and say, Hey, remember, I know that we said that we were going to talk about this today. Does that feel okay? Um, are we ready for that conversation? Um, but I really encourage people that when it needs to be a multi-part conversation, do your best 
to talk about next steps. What do you both need to do in between? What are the expectations in between? And then when, did, when is the expectation of coming back together? Yes. So important. Gosh, that was just so much good information. <laughs> um, that's so helpful. I think with nanny families and I think everything we just said can also be applied to nanny kids, mm. um, especially as they get older. Um, and that, you know, that being on the same team and, and inviting a child to help you problem solve and all of that good stuff. So good. Such good nanny practice. <laughs> well, and I would say like, after you do all that preparation, go ahead and practice. Like, like yeah. I said earlier, like important conversations sometimes take practice and you don't want the first time that you've been, you practice say, or the first time that you say those words rather to be in your real life high stakes situation, get in front of a mirror. If you have to, uh, I often will practice parts of conversations that I want to have while I'm driving in my car. Yes. And I think that like, sometimes I think that sometimes people see me as, Oh, well, Cassandra is really good at communication. She doesn't have to practice. Are you kidding? The only reason I'm good at what I do is I take the time to like plan and practice. <laughs> Yeah. So like, no matter how skilled you get at these things, planning and practicing are always valuable. And so I think that having a friend to practice with, uh, having a professional sometimes to practice with can be really useful depending on the situation. And, and when you're practicing with another person, really giving them a framework of, of what are some of the personality quirks of the person that they're, they're role-playing as like, is, is the person that you are needing to have the actual conversation easily distracted? Are they, are they easily um, frustrated? Do they ask a lot of questions and are analytical? Are they really emotional? Um, so giving them some framework for that. And then, and then sharing with them what some of your like concerns or ways that you think that someone might respond and tell them what your worst fear scenario might be like and play through that. See right. what it li is like to play through the worst case scenario. That's probably not going to happen. So phew, you got it out of the way and you don't even ever have to do it in real life. Yeah. Um, and let your body know that you will survive that worst yes. case. That's the other really important, psychologically speaking, Yeah, that's an right. important piece there of like, you're proving to your body that you will survive through that. Yes, absolutely. And then I think that um, getting feedback, and that's why I, I, it is so important to me in the work that I do and the coaching that I do with people that they get that opportunity to plan, to get specific, to ask questions, to practice and get effective feedback on ways that they can make that conversation better. And so and set them up for even more success. But even if you're not working with a professional, there's definitely ways to practice and get feedback that will help support you. And like I said, even if you're not practicing with a person, just proving to your body that you can even say the words and, yeah. and get through them or go, oh, I didn't like how that sounded. You don't want to be reaching for the phrasing in the moment when you are feeling uncomfortable or nervous, right? Right. Right. And so, yeah, I, I encourage people to, to take the time to practice important conversations, not only prepare for them. Um, so yeah, I think that that, hopefully that, that helps set people up for more success as they're going into those important conversations, whether it's about timing or pay or whatever the case might 
be that the, it starts with our internal conversations and then goes into those other, other pieces that we talked about. Yeah. And so if listeners are curious, like if a listener is sitting there thinking, man, oh man, I wish I could practice with Cassandra, (laughs) where can they find out more information about you and, and all the wonderful work you're doing? Absolutely. So uh, a couple of different places that people can find me, I am on Facebook. That is usually my social media of choice. And so you can add me on Facebook. I'm happy to friend people. I love to be connected. So you can just find me. My name is Cassandra Quinn, like Martha has said, and I am happy to, to be social with you there or on LinkedIn. I also uh, have a website, which is just my name, CassandraQuinn.com. And that is another way to see a little bit about what I do and who I am and learn a little bit more about the ways that I support people one-on-one and in group coaching. Yes. And uh, when we were talking before we started recording, I was saying, I I think you, Cassandra, would be such a good resource for nanny agencies as well Mm. as individual nannies. Um, But nanny agencies, I just think that you could provide a training to an agency that would be so helpful um, for everyone involved. (laughs) Absolutely. Like I said earlier, I I would love to work with nanny agencies, first of all, Um, but like realizing too, that like, I genuinely believe that the cornerstone of all of our success is the conversations that we're having, the internal conversations, the one-on-one conversations and the one-to-many conversations and realizing too, that I think that so often we, we perceive, especially in business, since we're talking about nanny agencies, yeah. uh, we understand the importance and the value of relationship, right? In relationship marketing. And obviously, even as a nanny, we are having our one-on-one relationships with our families or one-to-many, I guess, because of the family. <laughs> right. But realizing that so often, I think that we, we can end up feeling burnt or overwhelmed, striving for that relationship Uh, And sort of sometimes ending up in that ruinous empathy where we're just giving, we're pouring out of ourselves. And it's because we haven't effectively realized that when people talk about relationship and relationship marketing and relationship strategies, that we, we treat it as this really high bar that we're striving for, as opposed to realizing that it's the top rung of a ladder that we can climb. And so these pieces that I was talking about, like the, the internal conversations, the one-on-one conversations, those are the building blocks that I think are getting left out of how do we get to that really essential, important relationship that we need to have, whether it's personal or professional and breaking it down to that science of how do we have really effective conversations because really effective conversations lead to really effective connections and really effective connections that are consistent then lead to really effective relationships. Yes. And so I think that that is what I am passionate about helping people with, whether it's individuals or businesses and realizing that the key to our success are those conversations, the building blocks that get us to those important relationships and understanding that we can harness the amazing power of authentic, intentional conversations to up-level all of the areas of our success in our life. And so for businesses, a lot of times that means things like sales, networking, community outreach, team leadership, and team management. But those are also 
often applicable for individuals too. I think that a lot of times people think, well, I'm, I'm not, I'm not in sales. I don't sell. Right. Right, right. (laughs) Um, But we are always doing some sort of selling. And what I mean by that is I think that sometimes people have a lot of negative feelings about sales. They see it as calculated or or, or icky or slimy or something. And I think that when it's done right, it is just authentic connection to something that someone is needing of value in their life. And when you realize that we're all selling something, I, I, I was talking to a, a colleague of mine a while back about how I feel like Mr. Rogers is one of the best salespeople I've ever seen. Yeah. And what I mean by that is he was selling us on a vision for the world a worldview of how we could be with people, how we should treat people, how we should interact and got on TV every week to help people understand what a world like that could look like. Right. Yes. And so I think that just understanding that we have something of value that we're trying to the collective consciousness around and that if we are able to harness the power we're going to be able to do those world changing earth shattering shifts of consciousness that help the collective people be able to grow and have a more empowered world oh i love that and i yeah i want to live in that world where where especially nannies are, are changing, are changing the culture and, and the world. Absolutely. I think, and nannies are in such a uniquely powerful and wonderful position to be able to do that. The fact that they are invited into someone's home as their workplace, and they have access to being able to shift minds and hearts of that entire family that is not only affecting that moment, but the generations to come for that family is so important and valuable. So absolutely, nannies are a huge part of that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love it. (laughs) Um, well, wonderful. Um, well, we end each show with a cute, fun story and I have brought one this week. Um, and I actually, uh, midway through, I chose a different story because we were talking about, I wonder statements and, um, I had something happen recently that was just such a happy moment in my nanny day (laughs) of like something clicked in my own brain. Um, and it just, so an area I've been actually struggling in a little bit lately is um, I'm working with an infant and then a four-year-old and a six-year-old. And so there's just a lot of different energy levels, ability levels all the time. Mm -hmm. So when I am changing the infant's diaper, um, the four-year-old loves to like get into mischief. Like that's (laughs) favorite mischief o'clock. Um, and so today the mischief was, um, he just like did not want to get dressed. Like we had been out playing in the sprinkler and he just like wanted to be out and about, um, not dressed. Uh, and we had gotten off the wet clothes and all that. And so I was, I was changing the baby's diaper and I, I was like, okay, positive discipline, Martha, we can do this. And I was like, 
I wonder, because he was also singing Baby Beluga at the time, like singing Baby Beluga. It was a beautiful rendition. Um, And I was like, I said out loud, I wonder if your singing would sound differently if you were wearing underwear. And he was like, no. And I was like, I'm just, I'm curious. So then he just like, no arguments, nothing, put on his underwear and sang again. And he was like, see, and I was like, oh man, you were, you were right. It doesn't, it doesn't really sound different, but I wonder if your shorts would make a difference. (laughs) And he was like, well, I don't think so. (laughs) Like he was like starting to open up to the idea that it might make a difference. (laughs) And so put on his shorts and then I did the same thing with his shirt and (laughs) baby's diaper was changed child was dressed. So I wonder statements can be so powerful. I love it. That's so great. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, it just was, I was like, oh yeah, yes. (laughs) And, uh, and then we got really silly with singing in different ways. I was like, if it had changed how you sang, how would that sound? And then, you know, that's another 20 minutes of imaginative play of singing in a really high pitch and singing in a low pitch and the baby was entertained. It was great. Yes. I love it. That's so good. So, well, Cassandra, thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. This has been a delight to be talking about these things that I love and hopefully making an impact for all of your nannies out there and and empowering them to have really effective conversations. Yes. And your passion um, about this really shines through and it just is, it's a joy to talk to you about. Thank you. Thank you. Um, And thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week. The Chronicles of Nania is produced and hosted by Martha Tyler. Artwork by Noni Blastodon. Theme music by Brad Kemp. Find him at secondbedroomstudios.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Chronicles of Nania and on Twitter at Nania Podcast. To contact us, email chroniclesofnania at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. This show has been brought to you by Machine Culture. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.